Amen. Thank you, Barbara. All right, good evening, everybody. Let's look at uh, Mark chapter 11. This is where we're going to start. I've got quite a bit of scripture that, that we're going to look at uh, tonight, but it's, it's not, uh, we're not going to, <laughs> well, one place we'll spend some time on it, but uh, a lot of it is just for reference point, but tonight I want us to be able to look at uh, Mark chapter 11. Uh, we're going to look at verse 12 through 14 and then verse 20 through 23 and uh, tonight I want to talk about what is biblical faith what is biblical faith um, I sent out a text to about 20 people <laughs> what is your opinion about what biblical faith is and uh, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read all of them but uh, a lot of a lot of really really good responses uh, I was gonna do some couple of things, but I, for lack of time tonight, I, I think the lesson tonight is really just going to hammer home what, what biblical faith is. Now, this was one of the, one of the major issues that, that Jesus had with the people at the time, with the Pharisees, is that they had the, they had the law. They had all the rules and the regulations and everything. They had all that up here. It, that, that was easy. But what they had left was... They had left the faith part of it out for the most part. And what I want to look at tonight, we're going to go back to Genesis. And what I want to tell you is that faith has always been the part that activates everything. Um, when, when we're talking about what is biblical faith, well, my, what does that have to do with prayer? Well, it has everything to do with prayer because faith has to be part of prayer. Um, Let's look at Mark, and we're going to see what I'm talking about here. <laughs> this was really a part one, part two. Okay, so next week will be part two. Part one, I, I couldn't even get into the part about how, how prayer is affected by faith because I, I think we really need to cover what biblical faith is. Because you, if you, you can ask some people, what is faith? And well, if you just, you know, you believe. And that's not wrong in, in, in itself, but what do you believe? How do you, what do you believe about? What do you believe about God? What do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about what His Word says? And if so, and I asked, Brother Sammy, I asked you, I, I'm not going to bring this up, but I, I, I did ask a follow-up question. Does biblical faith require a response? So if you had to answer that question... Does biblical faith require a response? Gina. Okay. She's my prized student sitting up here. <laughs> no, I got using Terry for those. Um, <laughs> all right. Matthew. Or I mean Mark, this was also in Matthew, but Mark has a better account of it as far as detail. But let's look at verse 12. The next day when they went out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the, dis in the distance a fig tree with leaves, he went out to find out if there was anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, and for it was not the season of the figs. And he said to it, may no one eat 
uh, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. Jesus said this to this tree, to this fig tree. Um, it was, this is kind of an odd situation because the fig tree, it was not time for actual figs to be on the tree, but, but it had leaves on it. But there, there's something, we would probably call them buds, but there, there was always something on it. If the fig tree was going to have figs, it would have the beginnings of that fruit of, of, of figs, you would be able to see it. And what Jesus saw was this, this tree had leaves, but it didn't have any fruit. Now this tree was a representation of, anybody want to guess? Israel. That's, that's what this tree was a representation of. So in between verse 14 and verse 20, Brother Sam and me and you talked about this yesterday on the phone. Jesus, go, they go into the Jerusalem and Jesus turns the money tables over. And I mean, they, you know, he tells people not to come through here. They were carrying stuff back. They were using the, the temple as, a, as really a pass-through, a shortcut to be able to go from one side of the city to the other. And which was disrespectful to the house of God, so through the temple. And so Jesus cut all that out. And then they come back and they go, they go back. And then the next morning they come back. And we pick up in verse 20. Early in the morning as they were passing by, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Now that's pretty fast. <laughs> Over, overnight this happened. And verse, 20, uh, verse 21 says, Then Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus replied to them, have faith in God. Have faith in God. So he goes on, he says, Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but he believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, everything you pray and ask, believe that you have received it and it, it will be yours. Now, uh, we're going to come back next week and we're going to look at these verses right here a little bit deeper than what we're looking at them tonight. But what Jesus is saying is, have faith when you pray. Have faith when you pray. Now, there's some other things that's going to be tied to this because you, you can't just, you know, I, I, I want a I Ford Raptor, you know, and then you pray, Lord, give me a Ford Raptor and it's, I don't know, it might happen, it might not, you know, it just depends. Uh, but it depends on if it's in his will or not. And I can tell you, it's not in mine. I had to take the XLT version and was tickled to get it. Uh, but it, it, it uh, <laughs> you know, does faith require response? Well, let's look at faith. And I'm, I'm going to give you uh, two different responses here when we get to the outline. But first, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Because I asked this question, what is what is biblical faith? So I want to ask you this question here. Is does, does genuine faith require response from a believer? Now, I asked Brother Sammy that question. He come back with yes on, on his text. He said yes. And then, you know, I'm, I'm not going to read what he said, but it, it was very much in line biblically. So he did really good with his, with his answer. And then everybody else that I texted actually come back with a very good response too. Even some of the young ones, I texted some that are teenagers, and they came back with a very, very good response. Um, but Hebrews chapter 11, does anybody know what chapter that is? That's the faith chapter, right? Why is it the faith chapter? Well, let's look at it. Verse 1 says, 
Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for. Proof of what is not seen. For by this our ancestors were proved. So we go back and the writer of Hebrews is telling us that all these Old Testament saints that are going to be brought up in here, how were they approved? The same way Abraham was approved. If you, if, if, if you remember, I'm not going to talk about this a whole lot, but I'm going to talk about it a little bit. God came to Abraham and he says, Abraham, walk outside, look up, and this is going to be the, this is, you know, you see the stars and your, your descendants are going to be like the number. And he, and he believed God and it said that it was accounted to him or it was credited to him as righteousness at that point. So his faith in what God said did exactly what verse 2 says. It says, for by this, by what? Look back at verse 1. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for. Proof of what is not seen. They believe that God will do whatever he said that he will do. And <laughs> I'll, I'll brag on, uh, I'll, I'll brag on Jonathan Miller. I texted him. He said, faith Faith is, is believing that God will do what He said no matter the circumstances. <laughs> I like that. Because I like that He put no matter the circumstances on the end of that. Now, let's look, let's look at some of these. Why, why do I say that faith, true, genuine, Bible-believing faith, requires a response? Because there was a response. It wasn't just, I believe God and that was it. There was, when they believed God, it was true, genuine faith when they acted on what they believed. So what I'm telling you tonight is, if you act, if you respond in some way, and we're going to talk about those two responses in just a minute, but true faith will cause you to react. Let's look at some of the ways some of these folks reacted. And we're not going to spend a lot of time in these, but I want you to look at Abel in verse 4. Abel offered to God a better sacrifice. Was there an action there because of his faith? What did he do? He offered a sacrifice, right? He actually offered a better sacrifice. So that was Abel. And Enoch, going down to verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken away. Well, why was he taken away? And you go on and read, um, it says in so he did not experience death, and he was not, found, uh, he was not found because God took him away. For before he was taken away, oh, here we go. It didn't say anything about what he did then, but it says now, before he was taken away, he was approved as one who pleased God. So his faith and the life that he lived to God was actually pleasing to God. So that was a response too, right? Verse 6. I love verse 6. Verse six is <laughs> verse six is the answer to, to what Jesus was saying over here to the disciples. Let's let's read it. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Wow, I, mean, I love that. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We come to Jesus Christ by what faith. We can't come to Jesus Christ by anything else other than faith and belief and who He says He is. Now, now, without faith, it's impossible to please God since the one who draws near to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. 
There's a lot of key words in there that I could get stuck on, but I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to move on. But what I'm telling you is that our faith requires a response of some way. Verse 7, by faith Noah. What did Noah do? Somebody help me. What did Noah do? By faith, Noah built an ark, didn't he? I mean, there was a response. God came to him and says, Noah, I want you to build an ark because it's going to rain. <laughs> Never rained before. And Noah had to go, uh, okay, so what's rain? <laughs> really not sure what that is, but you say build an ark, I'll build an ark. He built an ark to deliver his family. By faith, in verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed it says, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive for an inheritance. God came to Abraham, told him to load up everything you've got and, and move. You're going to go and I'm going to give you a land and I'm, I'm going to give you an inheritance. And, you know, he, start, he starts all day. And that's when Abraham moved and, and his, this relationship that we know of started with Abraham and God. So by faith, did he respond? He got up and moved, didn't he? And you go on, and it says in, in uh, verse 9, By faith he stayed as a foreigner in that land of promise. God had told him, stay here. <laughs> and he stayed. And they living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, and co-heirs of the same promise. There was a response because of their faith. In verse 10, For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. I love that verse. By faith... Even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring. Even though she was past the age, and since she considered uh, that the one who had promised was faithful. Remember that verse. We're going to come back to that in just a little bit. But verse 11, we're going to come back to that. So, by faith, Sarah conceived because she believed. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham when he was tested, offered up Isaac. So there was, a, there was another point of faith in, in his time. And by, in verse 20, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was, uh, uh, by Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each one of his sons, and he worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff because of his faith. All of these required a response. By faith... Joseph, as he was nearing the end of his life, he, he, told, he told the people when they were coming out to make sure that they bring his body with them out of Egypt. By faith, in verse 23, we're moving on to Moses. By faith, after he was born, he was hidden by his parents for three months. <laughs> verse 24, by faith, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 27, by faith he left Egypt behind, not being afraid of God's anger. In verse 28, by faith he instituted the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood. In verse 29, by faith they crossed the Red Sea as though they were on dry land. In verse 30, moving on to Joshua, by verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho came down or fell down after being marched around by the Israelites for seven days. 32. And what more can I say? <laughs> the writer of Hebrews is like, look, the Old Testament is just loaded with, with people who, because of faith, there was a response in some way, and that response showed 
God that it was true, genuine Bible faith. But it, said, it goes on, it says, And what more can I say? Time is short for me to tell you about Gideon, uh, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Now, I mean, we could just really go on and on about, about faith, about some of the kings, that, and, and about Daniel, and about, uh, it's just, it's amazing here about this faith. So, true, genuine, biblical faith requires a response. If it's true, genuine faith, faith without works is dead. Right? The development of our faith has two responses. We're going to talk about those now. Number one, has a fleshly response. Sometimes our response is fleshly. I don't know if you've ever had a, had a response and what I mean by that, and I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you an example of a fleshly response that happened in the Bible. Abraham and Sarah. Abraham, or God come to Abraham and he told, he told Abraham, he says, look, you're going to have a son. You're going to, he has this discussion with God in, in chapter 12 or chapter 15 uh, in verse 1 through 6, let's, let's just look at that real quick. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1 through 6 says, And after these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield. Your reward will be very great. But Ab- Abraham, who is talking about, Abram, uh, said, Lord God, what, what can you give me since I'm childless? And the heir of my house is Elie- Eliezer the, the, uh, of Damascus. Abraham continued, Look, you've given to me no offspring, no, so a slave born in my house will be my heir. Now the word of the Lord came to him, this, this one will not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and he said, Look at the sky and count the stars. If you're able to count them, then he said to him, uh, your, your offspring will be that numerous. In verse 6, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. So here this is where, where God again comes to Abraham and he, and he talks to Abraham about this. And, and uh, Abraham's 75. We're not going to have time to go through all this, but Abraham's 75 years old. Now we know that Isaac is born, right? You know how old Abraham was? We'll test your Old Testament how old was Ab- this? Was he was seventy five when got the, got this promise, and then he was how old when Isaac was born? Close, <laughs> yeah, hundred. So, yeah, he was he was going he's going on a hundred. Uh, so, <laughs> ninety nine and a half. Uh, so, anyway, he. Uh, so there's 25 years in between there. So there's a lot of things that happened in that 25 years. And one of them happened because he, 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 got, he believed God, but in 25 years, <laughs> you start to wonder, <laughs> is, okay, Sarah's 65 when Abraham gets this response or gets this from God because she's 10 years younger than him. So she's 65, 
And he thinks this may be a little strange anyway because she's 65. And so, so they go on and they, and they rock on and, they, and, they, and it goes on and nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens. In chapter 16, in chapter 16 is when the fleshly response comes. Because Abraham, so Abraham's on board with this. We're going to read this. Abraham's on board with this. But Sarah comes up with this idea that, look, I'm not able to, you know, <laughs> I'm going to get into detail about this, but Abraham, you're, you're 75 now, and, or 85 now, and you, you, we need to go ahead and move on because you're 85. And so they decide that they're going to, they're going to do something and do, try, to, try to make God, try to bring what God promised around in the flesh. Verse, six, or verse 1 of chapter 16 says, Abram's wife Sarah had not born any children for him, but she owned a, an Egyptian slave named Hagar. And uh, Sarah said to Abraham, Since the Lord has prevented me from bearing children, go to my slave, perhaps uh, through her. Uh, I can build a family. And Abraham agreed what Sarah said. So Abraham's wife Sarah took Hagar and her Egyptian slave. This is a great plan. You know what I'm saying? It, this sounds good all the way, you know. It was strange how Abraham jumped right on that too, you know. But uh, that, this is the plan. So Abraham, Abraham's wife, uh, Sarah, took Hagar, an Egyptian slave, and he gave to her a husband, and Abraham as a wife for him. And this happened as Abraham had lived in the land of Canaan uh, ten years, and he slept with Hagar, and she became pregnant. And when she saw that she was pregnant, her mistress became contemptible to her. And Sarah said to Abraham, you're responsible for my suffering. I put my slave in your arms. And when, see, Sarah, she's, she lined all this stuff up. Right? I mean, this was her plan. And then Abraham was like, okay, you know, we'll go along with this. And instead of leading and saying, no, God's going God's gonna to do it. He said that he's going to do this. So instead of waiting on what God was doing, they, they responded in the flesh. Now, 75 years old, 100 years old, so there's 25 years in there. And uh, there, there was a couple of things that happened. So we, we, we see that Ishmael is born through Hagar, and that creates a whole bunch of problems. Um, and here, uh, there, another, in, during, that, uh, during that 25-year period, there was a couple of things that happened, really three things that happened. Number one... Um, in chapter 19, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. They, see, what God was doing in between this time is He was trying to prove to them, he was, trying, he was trying to show them that He was God, and He was putting proof in their life and to see that God was powerful enough to be able to do whatever He wanted to. So they see Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed. Two cities destroyed by God. And they knew who was doing it, and they knew why it was being done. In chapter 17, you have the, you have the story about, um, about the circumcision, uh, how that started. And then in chapter 20, I want us to be able to look at chapter 20 real quick. And I uh, won't have time to do a lot in there. But chapter 20, Abraham traveled to Negev, where Abimelech was king. Does anybody remember this story? They, they, you know, they were moving her all around in, 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 this, in this area, but they, they go into this one area called Negev, and, 
And Abimelech was king, and they go in, and and Sarah's like 89, 90 years old at this point. So this is only like a year before, before Isaac is born. And he goes in and he tells Abimelech that Sarah is what? His sister, which is really not a lie, but really, I mean, because she was kind of, it, it was a weird thing early. But anyway, it was his wife. So Abimelech took Sarah, which, and, and put her in, into his harem and, and was going to have her as, as one of his wives or concubines. And, and there was, you know, Abimelech got, got a message from God, a vision from God that, hey, this is his wife. This is Abraham's wife. Do not touch this woman. In the middle of all this, another thing was going on. God put a stop to any, to any, any female, any animal. No, nobody was having babies. Nobody. Do you know that? There was nobody having babies here. <laughs> so they started to leave. And let's, let's look on down. When they, le- when they left, they have this discussion and, and uh, Abraham gets, gets more flocks and herds and everything. And, and, and then they start to leave. And let's pick up in verse 16, Kyle. Uh, verse 16 says in chapter 20, And he said to Sarah, Look, I'm giving you my brother uh, 1,000 pieces of silver. It is verification, or verification of your honor to all who are with you, and you are fully vindicated. In verse 17, when, when Abimelech and Abraham decided you know, to, to part ways and everything was good, then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female slaves so they could bear children. For the Lord had completely closed all the wombs in Abimelech's household on account of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So, going back and looking at that, what has is, what is God proven to Abraham and Sarah during this time? What's He proven to Abraham and Sarah? He can do whatever He, what he wants. You see, the, pro- the same problem that Sarah had, and see, she had been told that she was going to have a baby, was the same problem that God had put on the people in, in Abimelech's crowd. And then once he prayed, and we're going, you, you go on down here and you can read this, once he prayed for this, to have, then they go back and then everybody's getting pregnant again. So, Abraham and Sarah saw that God could control who was having babies and who was not having babies. So here they are, and then you, you get into verse chapter 21, Isaac's born. We'll just read verse 1 through 6 real quick. The Lord came to Sarah, and I, I love this part. The Lord came to Sarah, look at that, as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. That's an awesome verse. I, I love that. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time that God had told him. When did it happen? It happened in the appointed time, didn't it? Verse 3, Abraham named his son who was born to him, the one Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And I, I think most everybody here knows what Isaac means. It means laughter. Isn't that funny? 
God says, okay, so you're not going to, you laughed at me, both of you laughed at me when, when I said that you were going to be born a son, and you, Abraham, at 100, and Sarah at 90 years old, pregnant. Verse 4, and when his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him and God command, as God commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God had made, has made me laugh, and everyone who hears will laugh with me. God's got a sense of humor, I'm telling you. Because, I mean, this, this is, to me it's hilarious. But what it tells me is, if you go back and you, and you look at this, the gap between this was 25 years. Tony Evans says in his commentary on, on this section right here, and I, I wrote this down, maybe Kyle, I don't know if you put it on the screen, but I, I'll, I'll just read it. Tony Evans says, The gap between God's promises and His fulfillment in your life is always tied to your development in faith. So if God sees that you don't have the faith, He will put the promise on hold until you get the faith. thought that was pretty good. There's been times in my life that I, I acted in and responded in the flesh and didn't wait on God to, to do what He was going to do and, and standing in the gap and, standing and waiting and, and understanding because, that, believe it or not, that is the response that we're going to talk about in just a minute. So number one, a fleshly response. Real quick, number two is a spiritual response. I've asked Kyle to play a video real quick. I, I, I want us to be able to, to get, I want to get that ready. But number one, when we respond in a trusting way, there, there's a time, our, a spiritual response doesn't have to be action right now. And I'll give you a good example of that. Jesus was born into this world. And He waited 33 years to start His ministry. There was a time of waiting to be able to do that. But do you think that he wasn't, he wasn't in the will of God? He was in the will of God. But he was doing those things to prepare himself to be able to be involved in whatever it was that God told him to be in. It was not, he, he, he wasn't just, he, he didn't check out. He wasn't standing on the sideline with your helmet off. That's not what he was doing. Uh, number two, when we respond in an active, uh, when we respond in an active way, uh, but a God-centered way. Now, sometimes we do respond in, in, in this way. And I, real quick, I want us to be able to to watch this video because this this is a video uh, of the chosen, and uh, it, it's it's the video where the par they brought, bring the paralytic to to Jesus, and they tear open the roof in the guy's house, and they drop this guy down down in that house. So real, let's play that real quick. We'll watch it, and then we'll, we'll be ready to end here. Put it back, man! 
wanted. Get out your tablet at least. Harry! Is he in danger? I don't know. No, I don't think so. He's got room in there? You believe we're really here for this? Yes. Down. Down. You! By whose authority do you teach? Answer me! If you are willing, Rabbi, you know you can't. Hey, I'm talking to you. By whom do you teach? Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Where did you study? Your faith is beautiful. Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right. But I ask you, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or rise up and walk? It's easy to say anything, no? But to show you, and so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, my son, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. got this guy that you know, he's he's healed what happens to the faith and all these people that that are around there watching it you know that's the reason that jesus was going and he was healing all these people so they would have faith uh he was performing all these miracles and they were believing in him they were believing in him um i'll end with this that god does something in our lives to change our weak faith to strong faith there's a lot of times that <laughs> Terry, my my faith is 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 it barely is just weak. <laughs> it it really is just just little sometimes, and we're gonna get into that next week talking about you with little faith, you know. But 
there's things that go goes on in our lives and as we live in a christian life and as we devote ourselves to god our faith should become more and more and could should become greater and greater because of things that god does in our life so when when you when you've got something going on and you think i've been in i've been stuck in this i've been stuck in this rut and god really is showing me and going to do something in my life and if god's told you that that's going to happen it's again it's going to happen uh what are we supposed to do we're to have faith and you go back and you put this with prayer and talking about the request you know jesus says come to me and request and ask ask and so if we go to god in prayer and we ask and we ask that's what we're supposed to do and our faith will increase next week we'll talk a little bit about about how how this is how the faith really uh, comes in into contact with with prayer about how that works but i don't know tonight let's just want to give you a time for prayer and real quick um i want kyle to play a song i just want you to bow your head if you will if you've got if you want to come and pray you can come and pray or just pray right there at your seat but uh, you may just want to thank god for miracles that he's done in your life and thank god for what he's going to do in your life